Welcome to Sober Doc Coffee, a weekly coffee chat sharing experience, strength, and hope for anyone on the sober road to recovery. You can download Sober Doc Coffee weekly on all podcast platforms and check us out on Instagram at Sober Coffee Podcast and on Twitter at Sober Coffee Pod. To learn more about us and to help support these sessions, visit online at Sober Coffee. Here are your hosts, two guys on their own path to recovery, Mike and Glenn. Let's join them at the coffee shop. Mike and Glenn, which one am I? You are Mike again. You keep asking me that question. I'm how not do sure. we know, how do we know that? Because we're not. Because <clears> you have your name in your your mom put your name in your jacket. You know what we should have? What your mom on a YouTube channel. That oh, way should, people let's see let's us. Work we could on go. It. We could go three dimensional. Let's work on that. Yeah. All right. Someday. Hey, super excited about today. I know, man. We have a table for three. Love yeah. table for three. Table He's for really three. excited about the one today. Yeah. So this is um you know this is part of our uh. Part of our attempt to um, be open-minded. Be inclusive. Be inclusive. We, um, you know, Glenn and I uh, share a very similar story. Uh, We were a train wreck, and and then we found hope in the rooms and program of Alcoholics Anonymous. So That's the uh, 12-step program? 12-step program. So, you know, everyone knows that who listens to the show, but, but for those that are just joining us at the coffee shop, for the first time, um, you know, it's it, it needs to be known that we, we don't think we have the only answer. This is the only answer that's worked for us. Well, it's amazing. I'm I'm out there on multiple social media sites. Mm-hmm. You know, I I kind of do our, our social media attempts, right? right, right. And I and, and I have a, um, a a Twitter account that's focused on sobriety, mm-hmm. and I am amazed. You know, people that are supposed to be out there enjoying sobriety. I'm amazed at how they just stab each other, right. not in the back, right in each other's chest. Right, right. You over... can do that when you're hiding behind a at symbol. Oh, absolutely. And and they sit there and stab each other about, oh, my program's better than your program, and your program sucks, and I tried your program, right. your program blows. And I'm like, what are you doing? Right, right. You know, I'm, I'm just so confused. So, you know what? Our podcast, and, and then we'll uh, introduce Surge. Um, you know, our podcast is sobriety focused. That's right. Now, when we tell our stories, you it's, got sober in AA. I got sure. sober in AA. Right. Right. And and I still work That's AA. That's all I got to and, share. And, and I saw you in a meeting recently, so I know you do too. Right. But that's just our story. That's right. our experience. Right. They are not exclusive experiences. Right. You know, that is not the only solution out there. And I'm really, I'm embracing the stories that I hear of people getting sober out there and changing their lives any way they want, right? right? All right. I know is what works for me That's right. and what didn't work for me. Right. But what we want to do is at least open up the door totally. and say, look, there are alternatives out there. If AA is not your thing, <clears throat> don't give up on sobriety. I'm telling you, the, the life on this side of, of drugs and alcohol is just, it's a reward. So something hit me this past week, and, you know, I have never met anybody who regretted getting sober. Right. Not one person. Right. I reg- I met people who regretted going back out sure. and relapsing. Right. But never one person who regretted getting sober. Right. That's got to say something. Yep. So this morning we've got uh, we've got an author. So we need an author series as well. And uh, 
His name is Serge, and he wrote. Oh, a book. I need to behave. Yes. I know, right? Oh, <laughs> and when I emailed him, I'm like, oh man, I got to make sure my periods are to in the right Lord, place. Sir? And yeah, right. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, but uh, author of uh, a mindful program for lasting change, the proactive twelve steps. Serge, welcome to the coffee shop. Serge, welcome. And Mike and Glenn, I'm happy to be with you guys. Yeah, great to have you. Yeah. So. Um, I will, uh, full transparency, uh, we uh, we reached out, I guess, maybe through social media or whatever. I don't mm-hmm. know how we connected, but uh, but the short and skinny is, I, if I'm going to have an author on the on the program, then I like to read the book, right? And so, full transparency, I've read the book, uh, The Proactive 12 yeah. Steps. Um, you know, I, I, uh, I agree with some of it, and I disagreed with some of it. And, and that's okay because, because, you know, I agree with the program I'm working, some of the program I agree with, some of the program I don't agree with, but I work it, right? So, um, Serge, you are uh, a therapist by trade. And so yeah. tell me a little bit about your journey of why you wrote, first, why you wrote the book. Well, I discovered the 12 steps um, uh, at least 20 years ago through some friends who were in a program. And um, I was really fascinated by how powerful programs are and how people benefit from them. And it's very, it's very different from what it's like when you're a therapist. When you're a therapist, you don't think about one size fits all. You kind of uh, you know, try to focus on one person and, um, and, and you don't really have kind of a general philosophy of how people change um, because everybody's different. And so I was really fascinated by what made this program so useful for people who were really in very dire circumstances. Mm -hmm. And so over the years, I've had a dialogue with this. This is a sixth edition of the, of the process. Mm. So I've had a, a long dialogue and over the years kind of enriched, it has enriched my practice and my knowledge of what I, what I do. And I think I have enriched what I've done through, uh, you know, this dialogue with the steps of mm-hmm. trying to understand the process and uh, cross-fertilize what it brings and what my understanding of therapy and especially trauma-informed therapy. Mm. Right. So quick question. One, and from an informational perspective, are you on the sober path yourself? And secondly, are, are your patients, do you typically find them on, on the sober path? So, you know, in a, in a strictly speaking way, I'm not on the sober path in the sense that I don't have an addiction that mm-hmm. corresponds to the uh, AA type mm-hmm. programs. Mm-hmm. However, my perspective on it uh, is that we are all on a path of dealing with trauma. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I use trauma in a very different way than, say, it's used in a, in a medical way or maybe that some therapists use it. Trauma usually implies some kind of a big shock, you know, like a car crash, you know, and people who are all mangled and, uh, you know, emergency, uh, you know. And so uh, trauma first came to, the, to therapy after the Vietnam War by saying people can be really damaged emotionally, mentally, uh, the same way as they are damaged physically. Mm -hmm. 
But the therapists who have been working with trauma have actually come to a different understanding that trauma is not just the big stuff, but just about anything that happens to us that we're not able to fully digest at the time mm. is something like that, that leaves, mm -hmm. you know, it leaves residuals. And those residuals, because we cannot digest them, are not conscious. They're beyond words. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so we all have some stuff like this and we all have coping mechanisms to deal with it. And so from that perspective, you know, uh, for some people, the coping mechanism of choice or, you know, unfortunately that happens might be alcohol. It sure. Might be that was my choice. Right. Yeah. But, you know, essentially what it is, is we're all in that same ballpark. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of my approach to it. Yeah, so I can really relate to that. And, and, and to put it in my own words, you know, I, I, I personally didn't have some big traumatic event. Um, but the way you described it, I really relate to is I went through things in my life that I couldn't digest mm -hmm. and I couldn't process, right? So I call that weight, right? And, and emotional weight, right? And, and it would piling up and piling up and piling up. And it wasn't one major big boulder. It was 5,000 small ones or 500 medium-sized ones that just got me down. And then I had to escape. Yeah. And I found alcohol as a great escape button. Mm -hmm. And that was for whatever period of time. And hey, when I started out, alcohol was fun. Mm -hmm. It was a great escape. It was a party until I crossed that line and I couldn't go back over it. And then I was hooked, and then I had to have that next drink. Right. So I really like how, how you put that, sir. Yeah, and I like I like I the I like the fact that uh, in the book and in our conversation here, you know, it, it's it's the root cause, right? Oftentimes, I've heard in in recovery, and I've used the line myself: I don't have a drinking problem; I have a thinking problem, right? So, you know, yeah. I, I this trauma, this this concept of this inherent trauma. Uh, you know, to some people, it you know, it was it was a comment that a that a father made when they were five years old to other people, it was abuse to other people. It was loss of a family member, but these, this trauma, that trauma follows you. At least that's why I'm hearing it follows you long. And then you, you're going to pick a coping skill. You're either going to, and again, I'm no therapist. You are, but um, you know, you're either going to bury it. You're going to deal with it. You're going to drink over it. You're going to drug over it. You're going to buy over it. You're going to eat over it. You're going to, whatever it takes, you're going to, you're going to yeah. do something to combat that trauma. And I, and I want to go back to something, Mike, that Glenn said about the, the death by a thousand cuts, you know, or the, 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 old, the weight coming from there. You know, it's not the whole thing about it is, you know, that's the kind of stuff that you look at it and you say, oh, you know, uh, I shouldn't be affected by it. I, it can't be trauma because it's not such a big deal. Mm -hmm. But really, uh, you're talking about something that can be as subtle as, you know, having difficulty in interpersonal communications. And uh, the difficulty might come from the sense of your struggle between being accepted, mm -hmm. you know, and, and feeling shame, mm -hmm. uh, you know, not being very comfortable with who you are or feeling that people, you know, reject who you are or the society you live in doesn't value, you know, all of these little things uh, that, you know, are not, you cannot put in some kind of a big, you know, umbrella to say, oh, this major thing happened to me, mm -hmm. but it affects you day in and day out. Mm -hmm. And because it affects you day in and day out, uh, you know, it's kind of, you, you know, it's, it, you, you take your, your, you're shaped 
by that. You mm -hmm. become avoidant. You look for relief somewhere else, you know? Right. So, so back to the book then, as, as yeah. it, it lays out um, a proactive 12 steps, if you will, to uh, dealing with that trauma, getting healthy, um, but I'm going to go right to the sensitive point here. I'm going to, yeah. I'm, I'm just going to get right to the meat here. You do it with <laughs> You do it. The, the proactive 12 steps does not take a spiritual slash. I think you use the word religion in your book more than spirituality. It doesn't take that. It doesn't take that, that approach. It, it, it takes a, a different, it takes a different path. Can you talk about that? Because yeah, Mike, let's you know, great. Let's just jump into it. Yeah, it's 12 right. steps without God. So right, that's a right. very, you know, and, and I, and I, and I want to, you know, I'm very happy to talk about it from the place of, you know, this is not about, you know, there is one camp that says years with God and years without God and clash. And right. My, I picked that up. Is right, than yours. right. I picked um, that up with yours. Yours seem to include if, if so be that was your, your source, you, you know, I didn't, I didn't read in there that, that that was the wrong choice, you know? Yeah, not at all. Not at all. I have, I have a tremendous respect for people who believe in God. And I think it, it motivates people and it gives us strength that in some way you could say part of the writing it is to say, how can we get some of that juice, you know, for people who don't believe in God mm -hmm. and you can't force yourself to believe, you know, just like, uh, so how do you do that? And, and so that is about, you know, let's see what it is that's in us human beings mm -hmm. that gives us that resilience, that capacity for doing something that seems impossible, for creating miracles. And if you're religious, you're going to say this is how God made us. Mm -hmm. But even if you're not religious, you're going to say, well, if God made us this way, then it's a human trait. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, the same way as, you know, you could say God made us who we are. Uh, but you're going to study medicine in order to help God heal you. Mm -hmm. uh, it helps to understand the mechanism by which human beings are healed. Right, right. And so if you put it within the context of, you know, all of this happens ultimately by the grace of God, no problem. But as you understand better the mechanism by which you're healed, then you can help yourself and you can help God heal you. And that was my intention to do that, mm -hmm. you know, so that it creates a path that is visible to all. Mm -hmm. And and I love that because, and I'll let Glenn jump in here, but what I love about it is I'm, I'm certain, uh, I'm certain that we have people in their journey. I, I had a different journey. I had, I had this spiritual connection uh, coming into the program of Alcoholics Anonymous. So it was very easy for me to bake right into the, into the rhetoric but the and and the and the application, but the reality is is that a lot of people aren't at that spot, and and the reason you're here today is because you know if they're not here today, but they need hope, they need help, um, they need a place to turn, and and um, you know so Glenn yeah so for me, <clears throat> I I grew up in a religious family, religious house in a home, <clears throat> when I started to get sober. And I walked in the rooms of AA, and, and Serge, I worked the AA program for 10 years, half-ass, and I got the results. It was just, what, what detox am I going to next? What hospital? Mm -hmm. um, you know, it was only in 2014 that I surrendered. And I literally surrendered to my therapist, to my counselor, and I said, I said, dude, I will do whatever you tell me to do. I just cannot take another drink. 
and I literally did exactly what he told me to do, and I still surrender to him today. Um, but as I walked into AA, right, and, and I was familiar with AA, but now that I'm surrendering, I'm actually working the steps, you know, uh, step two talks about a higher power. It doesn't mention God. It talks about a higher power. Well, for me, my higher power at that time was my sponsor. My higher power was my counselor therapist. My higher power were people in the room that I had relationships with that didn't have to drink yesterday. And they were my higher power for a long period of time because the God that I grew up with didn't work. It was a bunch of man-made crap. That just didn't work for me, and um, so it was a deterrent rather than anything. Yeah, I mean, I was like, you know, but I hung out and I was starting to rebuild a really cool life using those higher powers, those mm -hmm. human higher powers. Mm -hmm. And the way I define a higher power is anything outside of my head, mm -hmm. because I had a lot of crap going on in my head, and you know, I like to say, hey, it's hard to fix a problem with the same brain that created it. Mm. So I needed that outside influence. I needed the input and perspective from my, my counselor and from my sponsor and from guys in the room who I trusted. Yeah. You know, yeah. and, and, and so over time, over time, you know, if, if, if you want to learn how to swim, you got to get in the pool. You know, yeah. nobody ever learned how to swim in a seminar. You got to get in the pool. So I got in different spiritual pools, not religious pools, spiritual pools, and I started learning. But I really, I had to start with unlearning a lot of that crap I grew up with, and I learned different ways of looking at at higher power, who today I call God. But you know, that's my that's my path. There's people who I know are very successful uh, in sobriety, and they don't have a relationship with my God. Right. It, it's I think a higher power just needs to be somebody outside of me. Right. Well, and if yeah. I if I could, and, and Serge, I, I'm going to steal a little bit of your thunder, but, um, you know, step two in Alcoholics Anonymous says, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. I'm reading from Serge's book. Um, step two for the proactive says that I understand that I cannot force change through willpower. I need to disentangle my life patiently. And, you know, again, I'm just trying to give the listeners a, a bent that, there's there's a, a a step that you could take that because exactly what Glenn was saying he had to unlearn he had to untangle uh, and I know I I love the word untangle that's exactly yeah, isn't what that I, had fantastic? To, I had to untangle yeah. you know a lot a lot so of stuff. I'm sorry Serge I didn't mean to interrupt go ahead <clears throat> no no so I'm glad you read this and so I think uh, you know what you said and what uh, Glenn said I think the the growth and, and recovery are unlearning, at least as much as learning. Mm -hmm. Because until you unlearn, you cannot learn something new. You're encumbered mm -hmm. by your preconceived notions. And it takes banging your head against a wall until you finally realize you're not going to go anywhere there until you actually unlearn. And that's where that image of disentangling is, that you cannot do it in a, you know, you have to shift gears. You cannot do it in an impatient way. You cannot push and pull, but you have to actually go very slowly. And that's what this process is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I want to relate this to the notion of God as well. Uh, you know, because I think if you put your, your yourself in a place of when the program started, mm -hmm. you know, uh, the promise of the programs was nothing short of miraculous. Mm -hmm. So 
why would people believe two drunks when they said they had found a solution? And you needed God in a way to justify, to say, you know, mm -hmm. you may not believe in us, mm -hmm. but, you know, you believe you've heard about the notion of grace of God. Mm -hmm. So that gives you permission to try this. Mm -hmm. But now you have millions of people who have tried this. Mm -hmm. And so actually the entry point is, you know, whether whatever your, your belief system, you have to see the reality that millions of people have succeeded through this. Why don't you give it a try? Mm -hmm. Right. Fact, fact and faith. Right. Yeah. So, so, so the one thing I've, I pulled out and and I'll just give you a little background, you know, of, of how I look at things. But, you know, when when I use the word surrender, right, mm -hmm. that means I, you know, we, we have this book, the, you know, the the AA big book. Right. And and I believe the words in the AA big book. And. You know, I, when, when, and this is just my perspective, when I surrender to the words in that AA big book, and, and the reason why I do is because I need something outside of my own head. My game stopped working. My shtick stopped working. And I had to latch on to something else. So I see people in the rooms who... You know, we'll go in a meeting when reading from the big book and they actually go and they try to change the words, right? And, and, and I watch them and they change the words to fit how it serves them at their particular time with what they're trying to do at that particular time. And, and the way I look at that is they're trying to game the system, right? Mm -hmm. and, and instead of saying, you know, well, here's 12 steps. Well, no, I, I, I think they should be four steps or, you know, I mean, I just see people make all kinds of crap uh, and, and it hurts them. It hurts their progress. It, it hurts their, you know, go forward. It hurts their growth to use a word that you use that I love. So on page 71, I, you know, I read quote unquote, I started rewriting the 12 steps. And, and that's the first thing I thought of is I try to surrender. And, and if the book tells me to do something and I don't like it, I still do it. And, and because typically when I don't like it and I don't want to follow it, it's because I've got an ulterior motive that I'm trying to get around. Right. And right. I'm trying to serve myself in, instead of surrendering and doing the next right thing. So for me, I made a decision to surrender to that big book every yeah. word in that big yeah. book. Right. And and like there, there's a chapter called, there is a solution. Mm -hmm. It doesn't say there might be a solution. It doesn't say there could be. It doesn't say for the chosen few. It says there is a solution. And in the promises, it says these promises, and there's some pretty amazing things outlined in, in the ninth step promises. Mm -hmm. It says they will always materialize. At the time when I came in, I couldn't even lift my head off the table, Serge. I can't tell you how bad I was. I mean, I... When I finally surrendered, I had I was in six hospitals across the country, eight-day detox, and I laid up on my counselor's floor at 2 o'clock on a Friday afternoon, and I surrendered. I'm like, dude, I will do anything you tell me to do, right? Um, but all that, all that stuff that was going on, I mean, the promise says they will always materialize. Now, it says sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly, and, and I'll underline the slow with what you said. I'll underline that because I'm on the slow train, but that gives me the patience. Right. And, and, so, and, and so I believe listen, those words. Yeah. 
Brian, I, I, I totally respect the idea of the 12 steps and of following them. And I think there is a lot of value in something that has, you know, um, gone on through, it has the test of time. So I want to be very clear that, you know, my concept of rewriting the steps is not a question of replacing the steps, but is a question of giving a different lighting, a different mm -hmm. perspective on it. Okay. And so um, it is, and it's not something that says, you know, I'm paraphrasing the steps and writing a different language, mm -hmm. but I'm saying I've had a dialogue with the steps from the perspective of a therapist who's informed by the notion of trauma. Mm -hmm. And so I'm inviting you to take a look at the steps from that perspective. Yeah, and, I love, I love uh, that. You're going to continue to go to the 12 steps and it's going to continue the groups and the fellowship is going to continue to be your mm -hmm. primary, uh, you know, basically the place where you face reality and the face, the place where you have the support group of people who are going to carry you because the change that happens is not through words, but it's through the connection with a group. Mm -hmm. you know? And nobody has ever healed from reading a book. So uh, the point there is that's going to give you another resource uh, to look at things and ask yourself questions. And sometimes when we have words that are very familiar, we tend to repeat them without really understanding them. I love because that. Because then we, you know. Mm. You know what? Can, can you say that again? I think that needs to be underlined because that is, I get caught up in that. Yeah, when we when we we repeat words and they become second nature, we don't really listen to them. Mm -hmm. You know, it becomes kind of a background noise. Mm -hmm. And there is, I'm not even putting that down because there's something very powerful when people together in a room recite words that have, you know, that become so familiar. It's also something that creates that sense of community. And that sense of community and that sense of it's been there around for a long time, there's a lot of healing power that comes from it, mm -hmm. okay? So I'm not putting it down, but there is a loss in doing it that you no longer pay attention to what the words mean. Well, you, and, you know, it's like, you know, it's like in some churches and, and I'm not, some churches you recite prayers and you have no yeah. idea what you're saying because you recited yeah. them for 40 years and you have no idea, you yeah. know. You know, if I, so if, I really relate to that. Yeah. If I could, um, I, I'll tell you what I love about what's happened. And I wish we had more time. I really do, because you're I, I love your your insight. Uh, I pre, again, I appreciate the book. And the reason I appreciate it, and you just use the word community. And I think we're mm -hmm. all in this community of trying to help people get sober. Right. And live yeah. a better life. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And yeah. what I what I find very appealing about the proactive uh, book is that for those people that are joining in the coffee shop and they just can't get past the spirituality piece, there are other alternatives. There are other alternatives. And I, oh. I just think we need to be open to, to point them in the right direction. And I think that this would be a good first step for somebody who's struggling with their spirituality. Give the proactive 12 steps, a look and make your own call. So Serge, where can they find 
the proactive 12 steps. Do you have a website? I know the book's yeah, on yeah, Amazon. Yeah, so they can find it on Amazon, mm -hmm. on Barnes & Noble online. But uh, also, I put it on a website, proactive12steps.com, oh, so that people can find the wording of the steps and a commentary uh, without having to buy the book. So the book has more material, but, you know, again, you can certainly give it a try, do a search for Proactive 12 Steps. That's great. I want to follow your progress along. Now, when when was this first published? You said you're on uh, the sixth. Uh, yeah, so uh, it was about 20 years ago that I had the first edition, and then wow. I've revised it over time. Okay. And uh, and so this is uh, this came out uh, last year. Okay. Well, like I said, yeah, really it was great. Uh, and, the, and the one thing I'll, I'll recommend to people is, you know, you recommended at the beginning of the book, don't speed read it. I sped read it, you know, but but you you were cautious to say, take your time, take because this is about this is about self-examination. It's about self-understanding, self-awareness. And um, so I would just uh, yeah, I'd encourage people if they're if they're uh, looking for an alternative uh Take a look at the proactive 12 step search. Thank you so much for being there. Yeah, that's great. Search for a nice really to you. Thank you very I much. I enjoyed this conversation very much. Yeah, thank you very much. I wish we had more time. Have a great day, man. You too. All right. Bye. Thanks, bye. All right. Bye bye. Thanks for joining us for today's coffee chat. To contact the show, email us at podcast at sober.coffee. If you need immediate help, the AA hotline is 800 839 1686. The National Suicide Prevention Hotline is 800-273-8255. Remember, Mike and Glenn are sharing their own journey on the path to recovery. Any suggestions, medical or otherwise, are their own experiences and should not be viewed as professional advice. See you next week, and remember, there is a solution.